Hello and welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Cray, a professional <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, I like that rebranding. Um, a queer exploration of the uh, of of the of the perfectionist. <laughs> Um, with your hosts, Speak Pirate, a.k.a. Joanna. Uh, I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, Elsia123, a.k.a. Zena, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus, even when she is being paired with Mason. Oh, my goodness. Um, so this episode of The Perfectionists takes place uh, during a time period that on the Beacon Heights campus... Uh, is called Dead Week, which appears to be an entire week that happens before midterms uh, in which no actual classes take place, but during which everyone is like cramming for their exams and working on uh, working on major projects for their classes. Do, do I have that right? I believe you do. Um, this kind of feels like a plot line that would happen like maybe not in the first 10 episodes of your mystery show. Like it's just kind of, um, this is a, this is the most school focused episode I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely would. Like there, there are actual projects happening in different classes. Uh, but also apparently a tradition of dead week is that there are no lights on anywhere. Virtually every conversation in this episode takes place in darkness. Like people you know, people have been talking a lot this week about the lighting on Game of Thrones and how you can, like, not really see anything on that show because it's set, like, in medieval fantasy times when there's, like, fire or darkness. Um, but really, The Perfectionists also seems to be saving money by having no lights on ever at all. I also wonder if they are saving money on their sound budget by having the characters mumble all of their dialogue, because <laughs> I have noticed in previous episodes that they're, uh, Dylan in particular mumbles a lot of his dialogue, but in this episode, it's like, I was really noticing it, like, very few characters speak above a whisper, and when they do, it's almost jarring, because everybody is talking in such low tones. Yes, yes. I mean, I'll give them the whispering because they are all trying to cover up their non-involvement but suspected involvement in a murder. So I can see them not wanting other people to overhear. But yeah, this this show is increasingly uh, people having whispered conversations in bad lighting. Yes. So what are your overall your overall thoughts on this episode? Well, we have a lot going on in this episode. Uh, we do have uh, a scene of Allison, Mona, and the new the new uh, you know liar crew. Uh, they're all together and talking, and we do get some references to Allison and Mona's past. We get a reference to the dollhouse. We get a reference to uh, Mona's previous work as A. Uh, we get a reference to Anna, Hannah being made to eat all those cupcakes. Um, so we we get some nice shout outs to the past. We also get what I think is uh, is a little bit lazy, but I understand why they're doing it. Uh, Allison and Mona explain to the new crew the concept of A, and the new crew adopts that. So like their adversary from here on out is also going to be called A despite that adversary not using the moniker for themselves. 
I am so offended by the use of A in this context. I mean, what would Charlotte say? What would Alex Drake say? If Charlotte is indeed dead, I'm sure she's rolling in her grave. I don't think she's probably dead. So probably she's just out there pouring one out for the memory of, you know, the way that you had to earn your stripes as an A in the olden days. Oh, my goodness. Yes, this... um. This episode, I feel like it, this might be the episode that broke me slightly. Because I, I feel like I um, I watched it the first time and I was like, I didn't like that. But I'm weirdly like, and I emailed this to you. I was like, I'm weirdly more intrigued by the show. And then you asked me today before we started recording, like, why, why are you more intrigued? This episode was really hard to get through. And I like, I, I couldn't really tell you. I, I rewatched the episode today. I think... I think it feels like maybe the stakes are a little bit higher. Like now Dylan. So one of the things that happens in this episode is that Dylan um, needs to submit this, a performance of him playing the cello for one of his classes. And he, um, he can't get an extension on it and he can't play because of his shoulder injury. And so he, um, he records uh, a different uh, he, rec- he 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 plagiarizes a recording basically and submits that and then by the end of the episode it's confirmed that of course the new a uh knows that he did that yes um i feel like one of one of the issues that i had with this episode and i had a few um but it's sort of like there are a lot of things that I'm willing to like have a lot of suspension of disbelief for a pretty little liar show. Like that's, that's required. Like that's required for like ponying up in the door, like that there are like these omniscient forces that are always watching you that are, you know, monitoring your every move, et cetera. That like sometimes, you know, like things can happen. Someone gets menaced by a pig mask in the sewers. Like, you know, these, these are the kind of things that it's like, of course that happens. Like, yeah, I'm not going to, like, get into, like, how someone was in the sewer at that time or, like, you know, I, that's that's great. That's what it is. But I do feel like in order to make those uh, surreal elements of the show work, you do have to ground the rest of the show in a recognizable reality. And this is not how college works. You don't have, like, a week off right before midterms in order to prepare for your midterms and you're actually not going to get an incomplete if you don't turn this project in for your midterm because grades aren't due until the end of the semester after you take finals. So this whole like th- that whole thing to me seemed a, a little bit like uh, a little bit like nonsense. But uh, you're right; it does make for a more compelling reveal at the end that the new A uh, knows that Dylan did a bad thing. Yeah, well, I also feel like, um, I feel like on that same, on that same train, it's really hard to have an episode that's all about the investment in, um, in, in their, their schooling when so much of the show is about them, you know, thinking that they're going to go down for. And so it's like, and this is something where PLL, I feel like balanced that better, um, but it's it's just it just feels kind of um kind of out of place and i feel like um 
yeah do we want to do we want to talk about the 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 mason okay room, i'm i'm gonna room? tell you some issues that i had with mason in this episode and um there i mean i hate i hate the reveal that we're going to talk about in a minute but um one of my main issues with mason in this episode is that mason since his introduction has been a creepy menacing character He's been shot as a creepy, menacing character. He has acted himself like a menacer. Um, he threatens uh, Dylan and Ava and Caitlin. Uh, he sort of uh, he sort of like makes some threatening moves uh, with Allison when he's talking about if he's going to press charges against Ava in her class and stuff like that. Um, so he's like been he he you know breaks into caitlin's hospital room uh and and menaces her there uh in an attempt to apologize and then once he's cleared once they find out that he's actually not the killer all of a sudden his behavior becomes like becomes just sweet as a rose like all of a sudden he's acting totally normal and not menacing at all and i feel like that's not like a shift in perspective that's just sort of bad writing Oh, I agree. I mean, I think that we really have a Toby Cavanaugh situation on our hands where he was, this actor was clearly told, like, act creepy for the first few episodes of the show. And that was completely how he was being framed. And now we're making this, like, hairpin turn into, no, he's just like this sweet, misunderstood guy. Um, a guy who I will note in the last episode like basically admitted that he was like trying to coerce Caitlin into sex. Like, uh, this is just, this is, this yeah, is so it's really bad. bad. And do you, so do you want to talk about, do you want to talk about the Mason reveal? So as we know, Mona has been playing chess with uh, a, an individual by the name of bad Bishop, who she is uh, quite drawn to and to the way that they think and she has shared this with Allison. Uh, and I feel like even when they're still talking about it in this episode uh, where Allison and Mona are having a private moment on a, of course, because there are no lights darkened park bench. Um, Mona thinks that she knows who Bad Bishop is. And Allison says, wow, you're really into this person. And Allison is once again keeping it gender neutral, which I appreciate because I feel like she is continuing to call in on Mona's bisexuality. Agreed, agreed. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of like felt this in my, in my deep down in my gut that we might be going here. There had been just like one too many times of Mona referring to Mason by his model good looks and, you know, super smart and all of this. And so what ends up happening is that in this episode, um, Mason, I guess that Mona is perhaps Mason's advisor or is advising him. I, I think she's his faculty advisor. Day. I think that's what we're um, supposed to make of that. Okay. Okay. So he comes in and he talks about how he's feeling really stressed about this whole Nolan situation and he isn't sure if he belongs here anymore um, and he's just feeling very overwhelmed and uh, Mona suggests that he tries doing something that is relaxing to him and he reveals that uh, playing piano is relaxing to him, he is self-taught, um, but, but music is basically just the art of math. 
And so when Mona later is playing, and she kind of gives him like a lingering look, I feel during the scene, and, a lingering look. And she calls him Amadeus. So uh, as as kind of a you know highbrow flirtation. Right. And so later when she is playing her uh, her her chess with. Uh, with Bad Bishop, Bad Bishop makes the remark that chess is just the art of math. And she figures it out and she goes to um, to the, like the music hall and finds uh, finds Mason playing the piano. And uh, they realize like that they are the, the the person that the other one has been playing chess with this whole time. Um, and they can't really let that reveal land because Mona's doing some mystery stuff in this episode that she has to go run off and deal with. And so she says that it's his move and um, he has to start. Yes. Uh, I really did not like the fact that it's revealed that she is Mason's faculty advisor and that Mason is her chess playing love interest in the same episode. Um, It's true that Mason's character is not Aria, but this is definitely, uh, at the very least, a Byron Montgomery uh, Meredith situation. Yes, I just, I feel like this reveal is so disappointing for a variety of reasons. Um, one, like, I feel like it's rom-com 101 that when you have, like, this is basically, you know, a you've got male situation, right? Where Mona has been, um, Mona has, has been, uh, interacting through, through this chess game with this person. Um, and the expected thing would be that she would, or, or the, the like exciting thing would be that she finds out that this person is a character that she has been interacting with in some other capacity through the run of the series. And now she and Mason have only interacted once earlier in this episode. Part of the issue with this is that Mona really the only character that she's consistently interacted with throughout the series has been Allison. Um, And as much as I would love for them to reveal that Allison was her mysterious chess partner, uh, that was just not in the cards, uh, not to mix our, you know, game playing metaphors there. Um, And so, so barring that, you know, I, I think we had been into the idea that maybe it could be Taylor and that would be kind of exciting because it's like Taylor seemingly has no connection to anybody at BHU right now other than her family. But the idea that she would have a connection with both Allison and Mona is pretty interesting. Also, uh, the idea that Mona would be involved with another blonde woman would be pretty interesting. Uh, but instead, it's just Mason. And that is... It's both... Um, not exciting and kind of problematic and just like I wanted more for Mona yeah yeah I I strongly strongly agree um I don't think that Mason has really proven that he is a character who's worthy of being a love interest for Mona Vanderwall um I would say that in terms of like interesting characters that Mona has been involved with, he falls well below her normal standard of Hannah Marin, Spencer Hastings, Mike Montgomery, Noel Kahn. Uh, he's just he's just way, way, way down there at the bottom. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, this is a situation where it's like, 
make it gay, you cowards. What do you have? Like, wh- what do you have left that you're not doing that? Like, come on. Come on. Right, right. I mean, there's there is no reason. There's no reason for it to be Mason. Like, it feels like they just kind of pulled that name out of a hat. Um, I mean, I, I assume that this was planned from the beginning, although who really knows? It's it to me, it really part of what's so disappointing about it is that it really um I feel like the first couple episodes of this series there I really felt like, okay, this is a chance for Mona to finally be centered in the narrative in a way that she never really got to be in PLL. And that's really exciting. And it seemed like Mona felt very in character. And Mona, I mean, proud member of the Church of Andrew Jesus, Mona is like was consistently my one of, if not my favorite character on PLL. Uh, and it really this feels like them kind of saying like oh we don't we don't really get Mona we don't really know what to do with Mona sure put her with Mason that's a that's a fun thing that we can do and not to mention that it's like a retread I feel like of the Toby storyline of um the Presria storyline of the Byron Meredith storyline uh it's just and like you said it's like there's so many people who love Mona as a queer character, who read Mona as a queer character. Um, you know, it's 2019. This was an opportunity to like shake it up a little bit. And and on a show where one got. of the main issues is a lack of chemistry between the lead characters, consistently the best chemistry on the yes. show has been Mona and Allison. So leaning away from that instead of leaning into it, just really seems like uh, an indication that like it, it it's not it's not going for its strengths really. Um, plus, Mason as a character within like the last forty eight hours in the series has been uh, trying to coerce Caitlin into having sex with him, and now he is like Mona's above board love interest. Like this is just not this is not a, a plot that I'm at all interested or invested in watching i feel like no i i totally agree um and and it's like the mason that was flirting with mona is not like mason is completely (laughs) a different character in every episode and the mason that was flirting with mona has nothing to do with this mason that we've seen in all these other episodes and so it's like it, it just it's well nonsense. uh i will nonsense. say that mona has been known to date other characters who are coded as queer such as noel khan and such as mike montgomery and we have been questioning whether or not mason may have been involved with nolan whether he was flirting with andrew so this may just be yet another beard relationship uh for for mona to get into for the duration of the series mona vanderwall you deserve better Oh, she deserves so much better. And so it's like, so now what's, what are these last three episodes going to be with Mona? Her and Mason um, basically just having the Caitlyn Jeremy relationship of like, oh, we're going to, you know, have sex in this car and um, banter, banter like chemistry <laughs> which I know was not a word. Um, I mean, I really hope that she is not, I, I really hope that she's not going to have sex with Mason 
over the next three episodes. I hope that, uh, oh, that would be so, that would be such a bummer. I, oh. I think you're living in a fantasy world if you don't think they're going to no! have sex by the end of this no! season. I'm sorry to say. Oh, man. Um, yeah, when it became apparent, like, I had been saying, like, I think that Mason might get murdered by, by the end of this season. Um, I wondered if he was going to get murdered in the music room. And when she realized he was bad Bishop and she was running over there, I was like, I, I don't want Mason to be murdered particularly. But when I found out that he was bad Bishop, I did have murder in my heart. And I felt like if she found him with his like brains all over a piano, I was not going to be sad about it. Um, but no, he is at, at least when she leaves, when she leaves like under the radar concert pianist Mason uh, in the music practice room, he is still alive and well. Yeah, I really just want, you know, Allison to like oh, strangle him with a piano yeah. wire at this point, you know, uh, it's right there. Um, so I mean, the, the other the other sort of side of this conversation is what's going on with Allison, because I think that this episode, Allison has a lot of interaction with Taylor Hotchkiss, and there's definitely a read there that something might be going on between the two of them. Um, it could just be that they're, like, basically the same person. It could be that they're, like, want to make out with masks of each other's faces on. It's hard to know. Um I'm wondering if maybe part of the reason why Mona is being shuttled off to this very boring straight relationship is because uh, potentially Allison is going to be the one in the queer relationship. And they felt like for whatever reason, they couldn't have uh, both of them uh, in queer relationships or in a queer relationship with one another. Okay, you said uh, I that I was dreaming to think that Mona was not going to have sex with Mason by the end of the show. I was merely keeping my expectations, like, modest. You're actually thinking that Allison is going to be in a queer relationship on this sh- I mean, I don't think, I think our queer relationship is Dylan and Blandrew. I, I don't think we're going to get another one. Really? You don't think I would love to think that they're going there with Taylor and Allison, but if they are giving Mona a a boy, this this like little princeling to <laughs> to follow boy. around, I am I'm not optimistic. But I mean I, I agree that Allison and Taylor uh do have a great chemistry. I agree that Taylor has been coded uh, as pretty butch in very similar ways to the ways that Emily Fields can be a little bit butch. Uh, so I think that it's set up uh, for them to to maybe have an attraction. When they're in Allison's house, uh, it definitely feels like something is sparking between them. Uh, Allison is really defensive when Mona implies that maybe Taylor can't be trusted. Uh, the other thing, like to give everyone who may not be watching the show, uh, to give you a feel for uh what else Mona is dealing with. Uh, Someone broke into her apartment at the end of last episode using some kind of Nolan Hotchkiss identifier, uh, key card, beacon guard, whatever. uh, And they left her a box of cupcakes with a message, an ominous message on them of like, do you want to be my pal? And so Mona spends this episode investigating baked goods. That, that That is the mystery track that she is on who sent her these baked goods and why? Um, 
So Mona is off investigating cupcakes. Uh, that's her mystery that she's doing this week. And uh, she doesn't trust Taylor. She thinks Taylor might be behind the cupcakes. But uh, Allison is sure that Taylor is being above board and trustworthy with them. However, Taylor does not reveal about her hidden beacon guard. And then Allison is real sad. Yeah, I, I, part of why I guess I'm thinking that maybe we are going there with Taylor and Allison is because, um, and this really isn't much, but the TV line recap of this episode, and TV line is a pretty, like, they're not really looking for queer subtext. Like, they're just kind of a regular old TV-related website. And they actually called out the Taylor-Allison chemistry um, they're also like a website that's like they get a lot of like spoilers from TV shows and stuff. So it made me wonder if they were kind of helping. Because I feel, I feel like a lot of the social media around the show is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the relationships, and it kind of made me wonder if they were helping to set the stage for something. But that could hmm. be totally. Amazing. Well, that is very interesting. I w- I think that a Taylor Allison relationship could be. I mean, I would be there for that. Um, but I think it is kind of telling. So wh- another thing that's happening in this episode, uh, Allison has reunited Taylor with her mom, uh, Claire Hotchkiss, um, who who has like a nebulous position at this university. I think she just has like, so maybe she's like the owner of the university. Like in this, in this world, you just own a college. So that's what Claire is. Um, but she has revealed that Taylor is alive to Claire And in this episode, Claire has made an announcement to the press that Taylor is back from the dead and that she had just gone away because she couldn't handle the pressure of BHU. Uh, And so while all that is happening and while these like TVs are playing in the background and revealing this news story, uh, meanwhile, Taylor has not gone home to her mom's. Taylor is still staying uh, in Allison's slash Taylor's old house. Right, right. And so they're interacting a lot because they're they're basically living together. And it sort of seems at the end of the episode that Allison is not eager for also, Taylor to leave. I'm not saying that this is what's happening, but I, I would encourage you, Vina, to examine whether some of your feelings about the impending potential for an Allison-Taylor relationship could be based on your enjoyment of fix that have two characters living together and then uh and then discovering uh, a potential relationship between the two of them oh my god i feel so called out in this moment um that is true that is that is kind of my uh, my bread and butter there um yeah i, I I, I have to say, like, I would be all here for an Allison Taylor relationship. Absolutely. Of course, 100%. I'm, I'm not, like, feverishly shipping them. I'm like, okay, I would, I would enjoy this. I would totally welcome this. Um, but I feel like Taylor doesn't have a whole lot of character outside of, like, everybody telling us how much, like, Allison she is. So, and her, like, changing her own tire. So it's kind of like, okay, I am I could be into this, but, like, I sort of just feel mm, like I'm shipping out. Mm, that myself. is, 
That's interesting. Um, yeah, well, and Taylor apparently trusts Allison because she says that Nolan trusted Allison. Nobody really has any reason to trust Allison. She's been on campus for about five minutes, but okay, that's fine. Everybody trusts her. Um, the other things that are happening in this episode, uh, Ava is involved in a school project with that Zach kid who hates her. Uh, they're doing an art history project together where they have a puzzle piece. That they have to figure out what painting it came out of, uh, which I'm not sure what they're supposed to learn from that, but okay. Uh, they're doing this. Dylan is faking his cello solo and Caitlin has an interview uh, for her Senate internship with Veronica Hastings. And I was really hoping that we were going to see Veronica or we were going to see Spencer, but of course, of course that does not happen. Man, I would Veronica love it if Veronica up. showed up. That would make me so happy. Uh, but we got an underling. They sent an underling to interview uh, these kids, which like, it's weird. But there are so many kids from washington who are interviewing to be interns with a senator from pennsylvania yeah. like i could understand if it were just caitlin because her mom is also a senator like that makes sense but like i i i don't know i i don't think that sherrod brown has like a ton of interns from like florida <laughs> i think that most of them are probably from here in ohio <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, that that is that is pretty interesting. And all of the other all of the other <clears throat> interns like look exactly the same. Um, yeah, we also had another um, total ripoff of a PLL scene where uh, Caitlin and Jeremy are doing strip quiz off, which was much more fun when unhinged Spencer <laughs> in season three was doing that with Andrew. Uh, and and yes. Ava and um, Zach clearly are they're going to be a thing. It seems they they um, had some like flirtatious stuff oh. at the end of the episode. Uh, I also noticed when you said that Ava is working with Zach, who hates her. I feel like the dialogue, the line, um, "He hates me, she hates me now, they hate me now," has been used a lot in this show, and like to me, that's such a um, that's such a nondescript line like it's just like it's just not a very exciting line of dialogue that i feel has been used a lot um yes andrew and dylan reunite at the end of this episode i liked andrew a little bit more uh we talked about how he got to interact with ava which made him a bit more interesting i think caitlin got to show a little bit more character in this episode uh, this was a, definitely a much better episode for Caitlin than last week's where she was just yelling at her mom the whole time. Uh, yeah. I was going to oh, say, Ava interacting with Blandrew, uh, they should really be doing more of that kind of thing because I feel like one of the issues is that they, the the three main characters, don't seem to have like a super tight bond yet. But the more that they can interact with other people who are in each other's lives, the more I feel like that's going to make it seem more natural and and more organic that they are a unit uh so yeah i think that having ava recognize that blandrew is somebody who's important to dylan dylan is her friend her interacting with him i think that that can only help i totally agree i totally agree um i think that uh yeah i think i am i 
imagine that, yeah, that the whole Zach thing is probably going to, I mean, it seems pretty clear that they're being set up. I actually didn't pick that up. You are apparently the het couple whisperer for this show because you predicted about Mason being bad Bishop. And now you're like prognosticating a connection between Ava and Zach. I had not seen that coming, but I'm sure you're probably right. And that is probably like, what else is the purpose of his character? They last named each other, which I feel like is uh, is sort of a shorthand for flirting when your characters don't really have amazing chemistry. I feel like their chemistry is not awful. Like, it's not great, but it's not Well, terrible. considering that we do have, like, Blander and Dylan still have the worst chemistry together, I think. Uh, but Caitlin and Jeremy are not much better. And Caitlin is, like, probably the best actress. So the fact that it's just a... Yeah like just a void between her and Jeremy is is not good who who is Jeremy like I feel like he he's another character where he exists he, he just for Caitlin like but he is he, we know nothing about his inner life other than that he's maybe a rocket yeah he's scientist. a rocket scientist who's doing data analytics it's very specific <laughs> has a a british accent which uh as our correspondent sarah had noted in the world of pll that's always a sign that you're shady yeah i get slight rollins vibes from him um but i don't really have any reason to Yeah, we also, um, Caitlin, who a lot of the times, sometimes I I do think that she's the best actress. I also think that her storylines are largely borrowed from Spencer. Uh, So I tend to like her Mm -hmm. the most. Uh, But she kind of goes from being Spencer to being Rory Gilmore when she gets into this interview, because she just they don't ask the questions that she is prepared for. And she just exhibits a complete inability to think on her feet like she gets stumped by the question pizza or tacos. Right, right. Yeah. And then has like kind of a. a Gilmore Girls-esque moment of epiphany weirdly at a place called Luke's which is kind of funny um that that like on campus um the on-campus uh restaurant was called Luke's and I felt like maybe I'm just um like seeing way too many relationship dynamics here but I kind of felt like do you think that the guy who seems to be Luke is going to be a potential love interest for her because I felt like he was he seemed kind of charmed as she was spiraling talking about I agree and I think that the fact that we spent a weird amount of camera time with that guy means that he could be the hidden hotchkiss oh god yeah (laughs) sure why not um yeah isn't it weird that that seemed like the big reveal of the last episode and hasn't been did nobody brought up the secret Hotchkiss this episode at all? And I guess Mona would be the only one to do it because she. Well, yeah, and I don't even it. think that Mona's told anyone else about it, which is also weird. And so Mona, like one of the things that we talked about before we started podcasting today was Mona discovers that Taylor's uh, Taylor's in to Beacon Guard allows her to track people's gates, and so she can track people by their walks and so mona decides to use this not to figure out who was near the area where nolan was killed on the night that nolan was killed 
and not to try and figure out who BH4, the hidden Hotchkiss, is. No, she decides to use this technology to track down whoever broke into her apartment and gave her those cupcakes because this is what we need to find out. And she does find out by the end of the episode. And it's it Booker. is. It, it appears to be Booker. Um, I don't know, because isn't Booker sitting at the at the at Luke's? True, true. So Booker is sitting Booker, at Luke's, so it could be but Luke. I'm also holding out that it could be Luke. It could be. Um, I like that we don't even necessarily know that 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 is that that man <laughs> is Luke, but we're just going to call him Luke. It's Luke. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I'm also like, Booker is also another character who doesn't feel like a real character. Oh, no, no, but she does seem to be A, like, she does seem to be the person who is manipulating these other variables, uh, for her own ends, which presumably... Do you think she, do you think she actually is, though? Or do we think that, because I, I'm not, I'm not really convinced. It seems like they've jumped to so many conclusions, but it's hard for me to, like, I don't know how many of this, how much of this is just the characters tying up the loose ends of the storytelling versus intentionally them making Well, we only have a few episodes left, so I feel like if she's not the one doing this, like, the number of other potential characters that they could identify and then clear is, is pretty small. True. True. Um... Yeah, so so who's who's uh what what do you think moving forward? Who's on our suspect? Ooh, um let's see. Well, there wasn't really any discernible progress on the mystery front. Like there no. wasn't even really that much going on with it. Uh I'm I'm going to stick with uh I'm going to stick with my Nolan has a, a twin and the, the twin killed him theory. Um, I, we met Luke this week, so who knows? Maybe Luke is a killer. Uh, other than that, I think I'm going to go with uh, maybe Booker. Maybe Booker pushed Nolan off the roof. Okay, sure. That makes sense. Um, I think that um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold with Jeremy. I'm suspicious of Jeremy just because I feel like, especially since Luke potentially might come in as the new love interest for Caitlin, I feel like Jeremy, um, he could be sort of the Rollins character, like a little too good to be true. Uh, The fact that he's been so, like the fact that he and Caitlin, because another thing that happened this episode is that he and Caitlin kind of um, started publicly revealing their relationship, um, acting as though they were just starting a relationship, which makes me think, that they're going to be seen around the school and maybe he will be uh hmm. or something. Hmm. yeah yeah i could definitely um i could definitely get behind that and so your prediction okay. is that mona and mason are going to become a couple is that your i think we're going to have one episode of like hemming and hawing about it and then um here's what i could see happening Here's, here's, here's what I could see happening with Mason. Next episode, he and Mona are like, he wants to start something. She doesn't. There's some hemming and hawing about it. She maybe talks to Allison about it in some sort of vague way. Episode after that, they get together. Um, 
they their relationship like weirdly accelerates a lot until like by the end of the episode they're like totally into each other uh finale episode he dies and that's like the cliffhanger and she's devastated that's my prediction. Well, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely see that happening. We should also mention that we do get Allison having a, a Skype session with her babies, who have like, <laughs> well, well, how would you, how how would you rate this uh, this Skype session that they do? Oh my god, it's just like stock child dialogue. Like, love you, mommy. It's 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 um and also like there's no adult on the other end managing the Skype call with these like th- like two-year-olds. Nope. What? Nope, it's just babies with your iPad. Like that, that's the show that Allison's on at the end. Babies with the iPad. And we don't even get a reverse shot of some of a couple of like kids that they could round up. <laughs> no, it would have been like that. It would have been like that stock photo that they have of Emily and Allison with the babies, but just like like on Conan O'Brien, like the lips of the babies would be moving. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I I also I'll just mention that if one really wanted to read this episode through a Mona Allison ship lens. You could squint and say that Mona is um, jealous of how defensive Allison is being. Well, yeah, and they're still like Mona is coming over to her house like at all hours of the day and night in this episode, uh, as if it is her own. In true. fact, very true, very true. Um, do you have any like plotline predictions for these last few episodes? Outside um. Of the oh well, I think that we're obviously meant to think like. Uh, so Caitlin was hit by that car and Booker says that someone, uh, some teen has taken responsibility for that. I'm sure that that's going to not be true. And I'm sure whoever hit Caitlin is probably going to wind up being either Taylor, uh, Mason, Booker herself, or Nolan's twin who was in the pig mask. Yeah, all of, I could see any of that. Or maybe, maybe new oh. character Luke. Maybe everyone's favorite character. Oh my goodness. Well, we will see. Um, yes, we are doing this episode on this, uh, this on just on just uh, Dead Week because it seemed like there were some things to discuss. We'll see what next week brings. Uh, this was kind of a low key episode, though. Uh, despite some some shocking revelations. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, before we go, just one question. Pizza or tacos? <laughs> um. Oh man, I feel like Caitlin, I'm really stuck. She also right now. didn't. She also ask questions like cats or dogs, and Caitlin was like, "What are pets?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like pets. I don't have any personality. Um, that was also that was kind of a terrible scene in terms of like building a character because it's like let's find an excuse to not give her some personality here. Um, pizza or tacos? Um, probably. Yeah, pizza. I I would lean towards pizza as well. Although Caitlin eventually chooses tacos, so to each their own. To each their own in a very like scripted speech about about uh, about why she <laughs> choose tacos. Um, but if you have if you want to answer pizza or tacos. Uh, you can give us and write us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, check out our Instagram at Everybody A Podcast or send us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, until next time, we'll see what happens. I don't even know what the next. I, I don't even know uh, what the we'll, next episode. We'll find is. out when we get there. We we will find out. Until then.